Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. Uh, this discussion will be regarding Jacob chapter 3. Now, Jacob chapter 3 is just a continuation of the talk uh, that he was giving in chapter 2 at the temple. So we'll continue to discuss the talk here. Remember, this is probably October General Conference, right? I think so. All right, verse 1. But behold, I, Jacob, would speak unto you that are pure in heart. Look unto God with firmness of mind. To look to God with firmness of mind is to be constant and undeterred in one's progress toward that life which is like God's. It is to have undimmed vision of the plans and purposes of the Almighty, to enjoy peace and confidence in the Master in the tempests as the tempests rage on all sides. To look to God with firmness of mind is to be, as Nephi said, steadfast in Christ, to pursue an undeviating course. And that was from the Doctrinal Commentary of the Book of Mormon by Millet and McConkie. And pray unto him with exceeding faith, and he will console you in all your afflictions. Pray for protection in your moral conduct. He will plead your cause. Doctor and Covenant says, Listen to him who is the advocate with the Father, who is pleading your cause before him, saying, Father, behold the sufferings and death of him who did no sin, in whom thou wast well pleased. Behold the blood of thy Son which was shed, the blood of him whom thou gavest, that thyself might be glorified. Wherefore, Father, spare these my brethren that believe on my name that they may come unto me and have everlasting life. And let's just hope that uh, the Savior is going to plead our cause too, right? Continuing verse 1, And send down justice upon those who seek your destruction. O all ye that are pure in heart, lift up your heads and receive the pleasing word of God and feast upon his love, for, he, for ye may, if your minds are firm forever. But woe, woe unto you that are not pure in heart, that are filthy this day before God, for except ye repent, the land is cursed for your sakes, and the Lamanites, which are not filthy like you, nevertheless they are cursed with a sore cursing, shall scourge you even unto destruction. Now he's talking about the destruction of the Nephites um, at the end. And the time speedily cometh that except ye repent, they shall possess the land of your inheritance, and the Lord God will lead away the righteous out from among you. I'm wondering if uh, that statement right there, if there's lots of groups that left the Nephites uh, all along, not just the few that we have records of, but I'm wondering, I mean, if I was among the Nephites and I got attacked by the Lamanites a lot, I'd probably say, hey, let's take our family and go somewhere further away so that we don't have to deal with this anymore. I'm sure that there were lots of families that did that. Uh, verse 5, Behold, the Lamanites, your brethren whom ye hate, because of their filthiness and the cursing which hath come upon their skins, are more righteous than you. For they have not forgotten the commandment of the Lord, which was given unto our father, that they should have, save it were one wife and concubines, they should have none, and there should not be whoredoms committed among them. And now this commandment they observe to keep. Wherefore, because of this observance and keeping this commandment, the Lord God will not destroy them, but will be merciful unto them, and one day they shall become a blessed people. And so that's the promise that the, that the Lamanites have because of their righteousness, at least in that area. <clears throat> Verse 7, Behold, their husbands love their wives, and their wives love their husbands, and their husbands and their wives love their children, and their unbelief and their hatred towards you is because of the iniquity of their fathers. Wherefore, how much better are you than they in the sight of your great Creator? O oh, my brethren, I fear that unless ye shall repent of your sins, that their skins will be whiter than yours when ye shall be brought with them before the throne of God. 
Most of the Lamanites did not sin against light, as did the, their Nephite kinsmen. The Nephites simply knew better, and the Lord would inflict a punishment upon them far more readily than upon those whose sins and disbelief resulted from ignorant tradition. That's from McConkie and, and Millen. Wherefore, a commandment I give unto you, which is the word of God, that ye revile no more against them because of the darkness of their skins, neither shall ye revile against them. To revile is to despise, to regard as vile, or to physically or verbally abuse, all of which are alien to the Spirit of God. That's from the doctrinal commentary again. Because of their filthiness, but ye shall remember your own filthiness, and remember that their filthiness came upon came because of their fathers. Wherefore ye shall remember your children, how that ye have grieved their hearts because of the example that ye have set before them. And also remember that ye that ye may, because of your filthiness, bring your children unto destruction, <clears throat> and your sins be heaped upon your heads at the last day. <clears throat> Excuse me. O oh, my brethren, hearken unto my words, arouse the faculties of your souls. In other words, give heed to the inner voice, the light of Christ, and attend to the proddings of conscience. It is to become aware of one's sinful state, acknowledge one's guilt, repent, and call upon God for deliverance, to prepare for the greater light of the Holy Ghost. To arouse faculties of one's soul is to listen to and obey the, the soul's yearning for the things of the Spirit. That was Joseph F. Smith. <clears throat> Continuing verse 11, Shake yourselves that ye may awake from the slumber of death, and loose yourselves from the pains of, of hell, that ye may not become angels to the devil to be cast into that lake of fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Spiritual death ceases for those spirits who come up out of hell in the spirit world to receive an inheritance in the celestial world. Although those in the celestial world do not receive the fullness of reward, they do receive of the Holy Spirit through the ministration of the terrestrial, and consequently they are in the presence of the Lord in this sense, and are no longer spiritually dead. Pending the day when they come forth in the second resurrection, they are spiritually dead. They have their part in that lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. But when they come out of hell, spiritual death ceases for them. Thus, eventually, all are redeemed from spiritual death except those who are destined to be sons of perdition. Verse 12, And now I, Jacob, spake many more things unto the people of Nephi, warning them against fornication and lasciviousness and every kind of sin, telling them the awful consequences of them. And a hundredth part of the proceedings of this people, which now begin to be numerous, cannot be written upon these plates. But many of their proceedings are written upon the larger plates, and their wars and their contentions in the reigns of their kings. Um, knowing that only a small portion of the doings and teachings of the Nephites is found in our present Book of Mormon, knowing that Nephi and Mormon and Moroni saw our day and understood clearly the nature of our challenges, and knowing that these prophet editors were inspired in their selection of those matters which would do the most to settle doctrinal disputes and lead men and women to Christ, knowing all these things, we ought to read the Book of Mormon with reverence and awe, for ours is the assurance that we have been given that which is appropriate and needful for our time and season. And as the Nephite Jaredite prophets were true to the divine direction given them in the preparation of the Book of Mormon, even so the Savior declared in regard to the choice seer of the latter days, he has translated the book, even that part which I have commanded him, and as your Lord and your God liveth, it is true. Brigham Young tells the story of Oliver Cowdery um, in depositing the plates. I think I read that last time, that they saw, um, went into a cave and saw lots of plates on the ground. Uh, let's finish up chapter 3, verse 14. These plates are called the plates of Jacob. Actually, these are the small plates of Nephi, and they were made by the hand of Nephi. And I make an end of speaking these words. So Jacob has taken possession of the small plates. Uh, we're not sure who now currently has the large plates. We don't know if it's Jacob or if it's one of the sons or somebody else that was designated by Nephi. If the king maybe has the large plates, maybe that's what's going on. 
whoever it is, it's probably King Second Nephi, or, or King Nephi Two, or however they call it. Anyway, I bear testimony of the truth of these things, and that as we try to keep the commandments and do better, that our, our Heavenly Father will bless us accordingly. I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time.